anybody there? Can anybody hear me? Yeah, I think I think we're here now. There you go. I see you. Hey, good. How's it going? Thanks for having me. How's the audio okay? Oh, the audio is beautiful. It oh, is good. sublime, actually. It is <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the setup I've been using for I used for seven hundred and fifty one hour live streams. Oh my word! So You're a machine. I never, it, I never took it down. Oh, I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> Still a lot of effort, nonetheless. And I I guess I I must say thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And uh, I got to give you a shout out here for the uh, the Norm shirt that you have there. Oh, this oh. is. Oh, and it's, for me, it's a big deal because the first time I got big press for what I was doing during COVID, yeah. uh, the article was supposed to come out, uh, I'll save some anecdotes, Okay. Um, but the article was supposed to come out on the 20th anniversary of September 11th, which oh, I wow. thought, okay, that's, uh, <laughs> not that's, exactly oh, timely, <laughs> but it's not like I, it's not like I'm doing jokes, you know, sure, well, I do, sure. but I'm, I, it's irrelevant. Um, and it got, the story got bumped for space and it ended up coming out on the same day that Norm's passing was on oh, the front page. And oh so God. I was, I still, I still have a copy of the paper here somewhere. Oh my! And goodness. it just, I, it was, it changed every, it was like, cause my wife and I met through comedy. So, mm. um, yeah, the, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a big, you know, it's, it's crucial to us. You yeah. know, we were worried that like, oh my God, well, if we, our kids not funny, that problem <laughs> solved itself. <laughs> As one tweet said, I'm not going to fake, I'm not going to fake laugh in my own house for 18 years. Um, but, uh, having, it was like, oh yeah, thanks for the article. I appreciate it. But Norm, oh my God, it's on the front, uh, it's on the front yeah. and you know, I'm, you know, and then, oh yeah, by the way, here's my article in the back by next to Hagar, the horrible and the crossword. But <laughs> like, I didn't, it was, yeah, it just upstaged in my own head, you know, that particular bit of press. Right. Yeah. It was, um, I big fan of norm i i really enjoy his his style and uh definitely a sad day for a lot of folks uh including myself so if if it's all right do you mind if we be start at the beginning uh Absolutely. just to kind of get a little bit of context and and i'm really excited to get to hear more about your time uh in second city but of course about your COVID project which is just sounds like a beautiful piece of of you know excitement for us to get straight to our homes and in living rooms so uh, happy accident, honestly. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's start about, I guess, music and comedy, right? Because those are going to be at the very beginning of your life. If, if I'm imagining correctly. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, the music was sort of, uh, I'll start with the music came first. I probably thought I was funny long before I was anywhere in the vicinity of being funny, <laughs> but and to preface the second city thing, I was the musician. I was not a perform. I, I performed on, but on the piano. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's um, comedy in there too. There's timing and good stuff there too. <laughs> yeah. But there was also a reason they didn't give me a mic. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the music stuff started with me, uh, credit long story, shortish, uh, probably three, four years old. Uh, my dad graduated his, did his PhD in chemistry in London, Ontario. We moved to Sarnia. In Ontario, uh, about an hour from Detroit, across the river from Port Huron. And that's where our chemical valley is, uh, with all the industry. So mm -hmm. uh, I wound up living there and our neighbors in the townhouse, what we rented had an upright piano. And I'm told I would go over there and 
I would say bang on their piano, <laughs> except that they said, oh, he doesn't bang on the piano. He actually, it sounds like he's trying to work things out, mm. uh, like trying to play melodies and stuff. And so my mom ended up bartering babysitting for piano lessons with a friend of hers. And the friend was a pretty basic player, I guess, because uh, very quickly she said, you should take him to a, a proper teacher. Mm. I ended up studying with a classical teacher named uh, Margaret Alcock, who I was lucky enough for my, uh, my wife to meet late in life. Mm. Margaret was already 50 when, when, I, when I met her. Mm. And uh, she gave me my classical piano lessons, which is why I can read music pretty easily, mm. uh, which has been great. Uh, uh, the the reading it, it isn't as crucial to jazz, I would say, as for classical. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, it meant that I could accompany people and pay my way through college a bit by accompanying uh, singers and horn players for the recitals, that sort of thing. Right. And uh, we moved to Louisiana. My dad got transferred to their Chemical Valley because down south the Chemical Valley is from Baton Rouge all the way over to Galveston, Texas. Mm. And, uh, he worked down there for a couple of years, you know, plastics, my boy. And <laughs> he, uh, he was there and, uh, a couple of things happened. One, I studied with a piano teacher who was a bit more liberal about other styles. And when I expressed an interest in jazz, she didn't have that, but she had ragtime. So I learned some ragtime piano. I can still, this is all wired. I can actually, uh, oh, I did not learn, I did not learn the Scott Joplin, um, <laughs> that everybody always, you know. You know, the, the sting, the, the entertainer, right. it was a, she taught me, uh, some from a book by another guy. I've not met many people who've heard of him named Tom Turpin. I think it was from Missouri. Um, that I butchered it, but I still remember the melody. Um, and Beautiful. that was sort of. That was veering towards uh, jazz, but what really did it early on, and uh, it didn't change my life at the moment. But it was uh, that here where I live, uh, if you in in Toronto, the kids, uh, you know, hey, we're going on a field trip. Where are you going? You go to the science center. Uh, you go to Chudley's Apple Farm to go apple picking. You might mm -hmm. go pumpkin picking outside the city. If you're in Baton Rouge, you go on a field trip. You go to New Orleans because <laughs> if the bus driver's got a lead foot, you're there in an hour and 15 minutes. Wow, talk about an upgrade there. Yeah, it <laughs> was pretty sweet. Uh, and two things happen, and this isn't a story I, I share on stage when it's an older crowd, but it's, I think what happened is I saw two things happen. It was, in, I think some cults call it imprinting. Uh, I heard live jazz on the street in the city where it was created mm. within the same 15 minutes that I saw inside the open doors on Bourbon Street of uh, topless bars. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I think I, in my head, I associated them forever <laughs> and thought, oh, one gets you the other. <laughs> and usually that's why people start playing guitar, I think. So yeah, I'm told by yeah. guitarists. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it left a mark. Talk about a core memory. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a it's a pretty fundamental one. And then uh, so yeah, we went, we came back from Baton Rouge to Sarnia, and I was in Sarnia until I was twenty two. And the jazz playing didn't happen. Uh, but my mom had acquired some jazz records. I remember Al Hurt. He's the king, jazz trumpet player. Mm. Uh, that was a heck of a record for me. 
it was very eclectic though, because I early on just listened to my mom's albums, mm-hmm. didn't know how to put an antenna on the FM radio. So heard a bit of talk in local radio. Yeah. And I listened to my mom's albums, which included the original concept album, the, with the Brown cover of Jesus Christ Superstar, which mm-hmm. is a rockin' score. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what else, uh, Bachman Turner overdrive who you south of the border, you probably mostly know for taking care of business, uh-huh. but they had another album, um, of called four wheel drive. That's probably even heavier rock. I don't know why, how she veered into this. Cause the other <laughs> albums were collections of Bach and Mozart from time life records <laughs> and, uh, cat Stevens T for the Tillerman with mm-hmm. the morning has broken on it. If, uh, and then cat comes in with morning has broke not in my key uh obviously uh but uh, and i just found out during the pandemic that it's rick wakeman the keyboard player from yes is the guy playing piano on that track yeah there's not much piano on the record but and as soon as you know that and then you listen to it again you're like oh well, of course it it screams that, but as a kid, I had no idea. I didn't know who yes was for another few years. Mm. I met a kid, uh, in grade eight, uh, two years after we came back, uh, named Brian. He was the rock guitar player in the one rock band in the school. And, uh, his dad was also our grade eight teacher who was, mm. who was fabulous. And Brian showed me how to, he run, he lent me some cool albums. Cause I had come back with a couple of disco albums, which were deemed dead by the time we got back to Canada <laughs> and one is, and one wasn't one was go West by the village people. It wasn't even the one with YMCA on it. <laughs> and cause I saw them on a Bob Hope special where he's on one of those, he's on a battleship entertaining the troops Some young Brooke Shields is with him, and out come the village people, exactly the group you expect on an, on a battleship. Uh, and then, but the other one was spirits having flown by the BGs with tragedy and too much heaven on the record. Cause I'd seen them on a UNICEF TV special and that album stands the test of time. That's mm-hmm. that album stunning. Um, the, I didn't know any keyboard players in pop music. So I would say that they were, who, well, who's your favorite keyboard player? Well, I don't know what a keyboard is. I can only play piano and that's mm-hmm. probably true to this day. Uh, I can barely turn on this thing. The, uh, I'm not a synth guy. So I, it was like, who's your favorite keyboard player? Well, who's the keyboard player on the last album that somebody gave me. So for a while it was blue weaver, this, I think Welsh guy who's on the BG's record. And the other one was, uh, after a while, uh, a kid named Alan Gillespie in grade eight or grade seven, uh, mm. befriended me as the kid who just come back from the States. I think they thought I was American <laughs> and he lent me uh, discovery by ELO electric light orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, with don't bring me down was the big tune on that. Yeah. And he, uh, and so for a while it was, Oh, Richard Tandy is my favorite keyboard player. Cause his name was on the record and I like the record. <laughs> so, and these guys, I still love these guys. They're still, those two albums are still great. Yeah. But so formative. I mean, there's such a sense of eclectic uh, tastes sort of formulating. Uh, is this something that you eventually had to use as you were performing? Uh, you know, just being comfortable going across so many styles and, and different approaches. Well, it's, it did, they did, these tunes did wind up coming back into my life, but it was, a, it was a long road. I'm 55 now. The pandemic started when I, I was 50. How does this work? Was I 52, 52, I guess 51 or 52. Yeah. Um, and, 
uh, I had been toying with an idea the uh, maybe a year or two prior of uh, reworking the tunes from my own youth into jazz arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, and not in, uh, I'm, I'm adverse to, I'm, I'm always worried about it sounding cheesy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody mentioned, uh, the, um, uh, the juke, um, juke juke musical uh, sort of thing. No, no, no. Sure. The, the group on that's on YouTube where they'll have like, they do it very swingy and there'll be female yeah, singers yeah. wearing they, the, the, yeah. Uh, postmodern jukebox. Yes. And I'm not, first of all, I'm not cute enough on camera for that. <laughs> and also it's very, it's of a, it's of a certain era. It's, it's a very, it's not a, um, it's a, a fairly traditional jazz. Um, and I just, I don't care if how, what era of jazz, you know, I'm sticking on the tune. I just want to rework it. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like, uh, I found out, I realized at some point that don't bring me down except for the part where they go to the minor key. Yeah, do you know the tune? It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. You got, got me gonna got me running away, mm-hmm. dude, dude. But yeah. it's also the verse is just like a, a 12 bar blues. You got me running, going out of my mind. You got me thinking that I'm wasting my time. Don't bring me down. There's your four chord, so it's blues. I tell you once more before I get off the floor. Don't bring me down. Mm. 12, 2, 3, 4. And there's another section to tune but as soon as i realized that yeah um it was like oh i could this i could treat this like a like a 12 bar blues with some extra cool like i get i call them like steely dan chords yeah like they're too hip for the room chords that still <laughs> they're reinventing the blues a bit just for a couple of yeah. bars there well um, that's amazing that there was that swagger already in the song and all you needed to do is just kind of just formulate a little bit more to bring that to the forefront again but that is the song. That is sort of the spirit of the song in a way. Yeah. I don't want to change the meaning or the intent. It's just, it's a different mood. Yeah. And also I loved it. I love it if it lends itself to swinging. Uh, I won't play them all, but some other tunes that, uh, one I've been doing forever is like, um, uh, if you're younger than me, but there is a, a Ian Thomas is a bit of a Canadian icon mm-hmm. and he wrote tunes that were covered by the band America, uh, did uh, his uh, tune uh, like just like Rudolph Valentino or something that uh, um, right before your eyes mm-hmm. uh, and the big one, the runner by Manfred Mann is his mm-hmm. uh, and he, these are all tunes he put on albums his of his own for the most part. I like his versions the best mm-hmm. and, but then other people cover them. And one of them was Santana covered his version of hold on and it's a four on the floor rocker. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, okay, uh, yeah. hold on. Uh, is that my key? <laughs> Just the oh. oh, I know that one. Yeah. Oh, hold on, uh-huh. nothing's the same. Tell me why I feel this way. And it's boom, mm-hmm. boom, it's, and it's amazing. Yeah. And if you watch SCTV, because his brother Dave Thomas is one of the character, uh, one of the guys from SCTV. Oh, okay. Uh, he guests on it with his band. Uh, with a bass player who's not on the album, but I actually play with regularly. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, uh, and it's this rock and four on the floor tune. And I started noodling on it as a. 
tell me why I feel this way. And my wife is still, I, I think it's still my wife's favorite of my reinvented pop tunes. So mm -hmm. I do it like every show. <laughs> um, there's that Huey Lewis, I want a new drug. It turns out it swings like crazy. Yeah. Um, there's a Glenn Fry. I'm big on the Eagles. I, I'm a huge Eagles fan, but mm -hmm. the, it always seems like the tunes I want to rework from my childhood, from, from my youth, uh, that are by from the Eagles guys are from their solo records. So I've got something off Don Hanley's end of the innocence. I've got Glenn Fry, but his ballad, the one you love mm -hmm. and, uh, Joel Walsh life's been good to me so far actually works in it. It all kind of falls you have together. The Eagles in spirit there. Assembly. Yeah. They're all, <laughs> and, and it's a goofy little high point. Cause I know it's just social media and people pop in and do click like, and don't remember. But uh, my two favorites when I would, bef the, and this is before COVID, when I was just at my, my wife's behest because she's in marketing, she's like, content, con go down, do something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, uh, I would put up one minute clips of these tunes on Instagram. Here's what I did with this tune. And for uh, My Life by Billy Joel, which uh, I sort of turn into a funkier New Orleans kind of thing. Um, his guitar player who currently tours with him liked it and made my, made my day. Yeah. Uh, and this, and then, uh, Glenn Fry's son liked, uh, clicked like on my version of oh, uh, the, the Glenn Fry tune. It was, yeah, yeah it was just really touching. <laughs> I guess, you know, was, you know, Chuck, I was, I think I put it up cause it was his dad's, his late dad's birthday. Mm. Um, so we, he probably was probably looking for like birthday, you know, yeah. tributes and found mine. Most so right. Yeah, it was cool. So, uh, I guess I, I'm curious about how you go about building a performance or if there's any kind of structure to the way that you do uh, a live show. And uh, I want to ask you about the recordings as well, but just specifically about performance. Now that you've been doing this for a while, what does that look like for it's you? It's very, very different than before COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't start singing with one exception. And the exception is the reason I never did it again. <laughs> Uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, get a singing lesson until I was, uh, 49 turning 50. Mm. And the reason was when I was at, I realized as 50 was approaching that I've been talking about learning to sing at my 40th birthday party <laughs> with a friend. And I reconnected with the friend and realized, oh yeah, it's been 10 years. I never did that thing. And the friend is a voice teacher, uh, mm. Louisa, uh, terrific. And she was, and I mentioned this and I was like 49 and a half, not, or closer to 50. And she goes, well, well, come over here right now for a lesson. And I was like, oh, I'll get over there. She's like, no, <laughs> what are you doing right now? And I said, well, talking to you. She's going, are you, do you have any appointments for the next two hours? And I said, well, no. And she goes, if you don't do it right now, you're going to be talking about this at your 60th birthday party mm. and you still won't have done it. So I got in the car and I went over and I had my voice, first voice lesson. And I think she, I, she's like, what do you know? What to sing something, you know? And uh, so I did rainbow connection, my all time favorite pop song. Oh, beautiful. I have photos of my daughter at age five. She's 12 now, um, sitting with the composer at Birdland, the club oh, in New my York. Goodness. Yeah. Kenny Asher, the, the, he, uh, Paul Williams wrote the lyrics. Hmm. Kenny Asher wrote the music and despite all his success, he still plays every Friday night with the Birdland big band. I think it's from five till seven. <laughs> and, uh, so they, they met him and, but, uh, I did the tune and honestly probably sounded more like Kermit the frog than <laughs> any, any other, anybody else covering the tune. And so it was a lot of sound production. I, I understand music. It was making the right sort of no noise come out of my head, yeah. uh, was the issue. And, and, uh, 
by my about a week before my 50th birthday, I achieved the goal of going to a senior's home and I dragged my bass player around. I think I paid him on a pocket just because I was so self-conscious. I didn't want to be up there by myself. And it's a local senior's home. I, I played at for years just to entertain folks, but I'd always drag friends with me because instrumental music for, a, I would say more than half of the audience, uh, instrumental music doesn't connect the same way. And this mm-hmm. is something I've, I've learned. Now, I don't mean any offense to instrumental musicians. I mean, for, I, I, that's all I did for years and loved it. But for civilians, we'll call them, for non-musicians, people that aren't deep into the genre, mm-hmm. um, it, it can seem like background music. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to keep their attention. I mean, it's, they're the audience. They're right. They want what they want. And um, if I could sing, sing every other song, six songs out of 12 for these folks, I could go over and entertain these folks that my daughter and I visited on the regular Mm-hmm. Uh, by myself without having to rope somebody else into going with me yeah. to be the, 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 the foreground entertainer. Mm-hmm. So, and I did it, I did, I got together six tunes with the help of Louisa and another uh, vocal coach, Amanda, and they, uh, I nervously got through it and did days of wine and roses and, um, um, you know, uh, all of me, why not take what well, that's way too, uh, all of me, why not take all of me real American songbook tunes. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of it, I, I looked at my bass player friend, Peter Telford, who is very, very funny and keeps me, keeps my ego in check. And I said, well, I said, you know, we're, we're at the senior's home and, and he, I said, well, nobody walked out and he just <laughs> looks at me and he says, yeah, to be fair, most of them couldn't. <laughs> That's one of my two favorites from him. About a, about a year later, I was actually doing a gig, a proper gig where we'd been booked. And I said, I can't believe I'm getting paid to sing. And he said, well, they're paying you to play. They're letting you sing. (laughs) (laughs) I bring this up to him and he's embarrassed. I'm like, no, it's hilarious. It's like, I don't know. I hung around enough comedians that nothing's funnier to me than somebody being roasted. Oh, even even if it's me. So you just jump into the environment, you adapt, but you mentioned two things that I really wanted to talk to you about. The first one is this idea of how that I had never thought about this for non-civilian or non or civilians, as you said, yeah, yeah, they, they need that, that sort of magnet, that anchor to guide them. And that's what the vocals and the, maybe the lyrics are like, they need a way yeah. in to the music. Uh, it is, like- it is lyrics. And I would say it's lyrics because of this, uh, wordless, there's word, some great wordless vocal in some jazz where you just treat the jazz, the vo- voice as a horn. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean scatting, like, you know, scooby doo doo you know, Sinatra. I, I don't mean to belittle it. I just can't do it. Um, uh, and I, I don't need to do it because if I'm playing a tune, I sing the tune, my outlet to improvise, I don't have to scat because I play piano. So mm-hmm. my expression for improvising is I play a piano solo. Uh, and I'm impressed by people that can scat well. Uh, but I think people want the words because if you think of the music that is considered are high art elitist, um, yeah. in, in, in a good way, but it, it, a lot of folks don't connect it's jazz classical and opera, which I suppose falls under small C classical, but opera and the response I get is, well, opera has lyrics. I'm like, yeah, but how many people understand them? Mm-hmm. I mean, Italian is, I think is considered the primo, uh, no pun intended, uh, the primo, uh, language for it because so many of the words words end in vowel so you can sustain them Mm. and a consonant you'd have to end it so 
the language, yeah, yeah, there's vocals, but it's not, people aren't connecting to the lyric unless they're really educated in that particular opera or speak the language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, I think most folks want to connect on a human level and that human level is your voice and the lyrics and you draw them in differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comedy thing comes to mind because I noticed the first time I did a show, like a proper, like a club show where, and the folks are there to see me as opposed to it being background. And it was the first time I sang and made it a big part of that kind of show. My jokes were the jokes on the pattern between were getting bigger laughs. And I think what it is, is that it wasn't like we played instrumentally for five minutes and now I got to get them back. Mm. I never lost them because I'd just been singing. So I had them drawn in. So going from the song to some patter wasn't, Hey, over here, we're done the song. Can I get your attention again, please? It was, uh, it was, we were already talking. We were already having a conversation. So it's, it's Um, sort of two modes of listening, right? Uh, when it's instrumental, it, it seems like they naturally shut off a little bit or, or sort of remove themselves. Whereas the lyrics make them active listeners. Like it gives the brain something else to kind of hone in on. Yeah. And uh, instrumental music, I mean, you might be speaking a language they don't speak. So how would you expect them to sit there? If Mm. somebody came into me and was speaking, you know, Greek to me and I don't speak Greek, not a stitch. And how sincerely can I sit there and listen if I don't know what the words mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So if it's not a music, my, my wife doesn't, she sings beautifully, but she, and doesn't do it enough. If you ask me, um, but doesn't play, she isn't, she says she's not a musician. Um, uh, I would argue that, but that's another story. Um, and so when I, she listens to stuff that even I don't enjoy terribly and I'll do my usual joke about, you know, like people come up and it's like, oh, I don't like, you know, I don't like. I don't usually like jazz, but I like what you do. And my thoughts on that are generally like, well, I know what kind of jazz they've heard. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine. And my joke is typically that they heard somebody making animal noises through a saxophone. <laughs> and which there is, there is a chaotic, there are lots of chaotic types of jazz. Yeah. Uh, I would say chaotic. You could use your own adjective, but I think we know this sort of jazz we're, we're talking to. It's a million beats per minute. Mm-hmm. A lot of squeals and sounds that you wouldn't necessarily be able to pick out on the, on another instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife will uh, appreciates some of that stuff on a level that I can't cause mm-hmm. she's been listening to it her whole life. It's like the way I hear cat Stevens and some endorphins go off because <laughs> of my childhood. It's like that yeah. for her. Um, the most, the, the moment where I really went, Oh yeah, something's off here was a dinner with a guitar player friend and my wife and I were guests and there were three other couples. And one of them said, oh, there it's the guitarist's home. Like he, it's, so you would expect an extra level of, uh, of guestery, guest etiquette. Mm. And they said, there's a piano there. And you guys, we had a recording act a few years prior and they said, well, why don't you guys play one of your songs? So we, I'm like, okay, you know, we're everyone, the piano's right there. I set the piano, he gets his guitar and he's the host and he's doing a song that he wrote within 12 bars, the whole table's talking again, huh? It's instrument. It's an instrumental song. There's, they're not, I think in their minds, they're not interrupting anything by talking because there's no voice. There's no <laughs> lyrics where they're not missing to them. They're not missing anything by talking. 
Yeah. But of course us doing it, I was kind of like, that was a moment where I'm like, something started to, I started, I I couldn't phrase it. All these things I'm saying as words yet, as ideas yet. Uh, but that's where a light started to go off, um, there. Um, mind you, if we were doing that in in front of folks that had heard the album on smooth jazz radio, which is what it was easy, Mm -hmm. almost easy listening, but groovy. Um, then that would have been different. We we have held audiences with this same song, but these aren't people that would that had come to our shows, so or mm-hmm. bought our, bought the albums. Yeah. So you have to have already won them over to get them to sit and listen quietly. Right. I think to the <laughs> instrumental music. So yeah. And so I'm curious to know of the work that has gone into the albums. You know, with that sort of information, and of course with the kind of curating that has to happen for you to put together these beautiful albums, which uh, they're going to be part of my rotation. I just really appreciate your arrangements, and I, I think they were just a, a delight. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I call those, if, if they're the ones I'm thinking of, I call them the Lenny albums. Is it Lenny Jumps In and Songs My Daughter Knows? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. those are both. Uh, you don't get the, I'll send you the liner notes, but my favorite part of those was writing the stories about how the songs connect to my daughter. Oh, and I. wonderful. Yeah. 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 Lenny, Lenny is her name. Lenny jumps in was what jumping in is what, is what she used to call playing make-believe when she was a oh. little, cause you jump into another reality, another world. <laughs> oh man. And, uh, but she, the thing was, uh, my, my loving and patient wife, uh, Lenny was always still Lenny <laughs> and my wife had to be every other character in that world. <laughs> so she did the yeah. heavy lifting. Well, yeah. Lenny had to do is jump in. Right. Right. And then songs. My daughter knows is literally that the, the Lenny jumps in one is mostly my own writing and songs. My daughter knows with the songs that her and I had a connection with, yeah. uh, and uh, rainbow connection was the first song I ever played for her when we brought her home from the hospital. Uh, the, uh, uh, T for two is on that record because that's what I instinctively started humming to her as I bounce her to calm her when oh, she was little beautiful. and to, and so automatically that I'm like, why did I pick that tune? I don't even play that tune. Not really. Yeah. And I called my mom and I'm like, did you hum me T for two? And I, she's like, no, I don't even know if I can hum the whole thing. <laughs> and so I, to this day, I don't know why I picked that tune to, to hum, to hum to my kid when she oh, was a baby. Fascinating. So, and- I love, as a parent myself, I just love this. You have a boy, right? I have a boy, yeah. He's 10 years. How old? He's nine. He's going to be 10. So he's right at that beautiful age where he's sure still playing, but he has a lot of opinions. He knows exactly what he wants now because, you know, he's going to be 10. But I, I love this, this relationship that you, that you obviously as a, as a dad, how does this, how does this inform the work that you're doing now and that you've done? Because it seems like it had a tremendous impact on your musical work uh based on what you're describing now well it in in the most literal sense it's why this whole piano bar thing happened um in uh you, you may have already read this in some of the stuff i uh, i mm-hmm. sent when we first started talking but um i had rolled the up the i had rolled our upright piano not it's not too tall it wasn't going to tip i rolled it in the dining room uh because the dining room is more attractive than the back room where it usually sits mm-hmm to shoot a video for, uh, an organization here in Canada that was putting out a newsletter and wanted some videos of Canadian artists playing Canadian tunes. So I said I could do the, uh, and, you know, and they actually, they paid a little bit. There was some grant money and they're trying to help artists keep busy during what we were promised was a three week lockdown. <laughs> and 
So uh, I said I could do well. Ian Thomas is Canadian, and I do this jazz arrangement of this you know, of this tune. They said, "Great." I'm like, "Well, do you want to hear a demo?" They said, "Oh no, just do it and send it." I'm like, oh, "I won't say no." Okay, <laughs> rolled the piano in so it's in front of the nice paisley curtain, the D- damask curtains, not paisley. I was corrected on that. Um, and did a two camera shoot and put it together, and uh, the piano's still sitting there. So and 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 there it sits for a while, and then. Uh, to entertain my daughter and I, after about a week, we did a couple of, uh, um, ask me anything's so not Reddit style. We just went on Facebook live on my page and mm-hmm. said, we're going to go live at two, ask us anything. And so we sat there and it was just our chums saying, you know, Lenny, what's your favorite thing about your dad? And you know, what's your, what's his goofiest tick? And, uh, she had answers to all of these. So at her fingertips, so readily, I was like, <laughs> I, did you prepare this? Um, and then we did that twice. And then for the third one, I said, well, why don't we do this from behind the piano and we can answer questions and take song requests. So she had the tablet and she's like, oh, so-and-so's asking this. And, and I would, and then well, what about this song? And by the way, what's your favorite, whatever. And, and we did it again the next day and cause it was fun. And then the third day we're sitting around in the evening, just chilling and, and, uh, somebody emails me and says, Hey aren't you guys on again? Aren't you guys on tonight? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. I guess we could do that. We're not doing anything. You know, we're, we're stuck at home. So we went over and did it and we did it the next night and the next night. And then it wound up being 150 nights in a row before we took a night off. Oh my word. Yeah. But I, really it's the pianos right there. It's we, uh, I eventually added bits of tech and um, it was a, initially, it was my laptop, my MacBook air, the camera wasn't that great. So we added, we used my wife's iPhone mm-hmm. and then we added a mic and then we, I added a little interface from Roland that lets you plug two mics into it, but it goes into your phone so I could mic the piano separately. And, you know, eventually now, you know, I, I upgraded with the help of the, the viewers because I set up a Patreon to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started crashing the iPhone software and Facebook software, oh, like no. the audio would go out halfway through. So I'd have to reboot and I'm like, I should suck it up and get a, a new, one of the new Macs. And, and mm-hmm. I got a Mac mini and I'm looking at you through a, a mirrorless DSLR from Sony, but everything always like the cheapest I can find. Cause I'm cheap. And, uh, and, uh, I've got a, uh, I'm at a digital piano now in the basement now, uh, mm. the, uh, which actually, to be honest, if I have to take a good acoustic piano through a cheap mic or a digital piano direct into with the direct inputs going into the mixer, the digital, a good digital piano is going to sound better just cause you're not dealing with microphone issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and honestly, I don't think it's not like I've got, uh, uh, you know, heavy audio engineers. Well, well, one friend does and he can tell, but, uh, the, the folks, it's not, it, it does the job. And, but they're not uh, blasting you in the comments to say, Hey, you gotta, you gotta pick it up and not or anything because yeah, I think, I yeah. think the, 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 the sample they use for your a is from a Borsendorfer piano and not a Steinway. You know, it's like, I don't know. As if I could tell, I just play the piano. So, um, but you, uh, you asked about how Lenny influences it. Lenny, she, um, the whole thing was inspired as a way to entertain my kid and us do something together. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, she sat for months and months sat with me to, to my, to my left, whether she was looking at comments or just reading a book or sketching, which has become her artistic outlet during mm. the pandemic. 
I got her a couple of online lessons from outschool.com, which I think was meant for homeschooling parents Mm -hmm. to trade off duties. You teach history, I'll teach math. Right. And I think during the pandemic, if I, I don't know if, if you could have stock in that company, but if you did, (laughs) holy cow, I mean, we're all at home looking at the internet. It was great, uh, for like drawing lessons and, and Mm -hmm. such. And she's gotten very, very good at it. Um, but, uh, when, you know, once school started again, she did grade five virtually so she could stay up a bit late cause it only took two minutes to get to from mm-hmm. one minute to get from bed to school. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, she, and she uh, still hung out with me and the viewers all, all knew her and, uh, knew our story. Sometimes she'd come down and she'd be in complete cosplay and be completely <laughs> un- unrecognizable. Um, yeah, they got to know, they knew my cat. That, that we had when it started and, the, and that cat JJ passed away in oh. November, um, election night, U S election night, actually. Oh, wow. And, uh, I think I was wishing for a distraction and I think I wished on a monkey's paw or something. Cause that's not <laughs> what I meant. Wound up going, taking him to the vet Oh goodness! and, and then took in, adopted a new cat, much to my shock, like six weeks later, we had a new cat because somebody in the neighborhood needed to rehome him really quickly. Mm. And, uh, he's been with us since and all the viewers knew JJ and now they know Fry. Yeah. JJ, sometimes they come and sit, like they'll get up on the piano. So it's kind of entertaining. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, I mean, that's yeah, fascinating. I, I, yeah. The, oh, excuse me. The way that folks immediately gravitate to, to just like the most humane parts of you. And it is very much opening the door and letting so many folks in. Has that, have you, do you worry about that? Or is that a surreal feeling that, <clears throat> excuse me, you can't get accustomed to, or is that not a preoccupation of yours? Uh, do you mean like folks getting, it, it getting too intimate, like getting yeah, too close or, yeah. uh, every, almost everyone's been lovely. Uh, mm. I have got, uh, and this has become part of a keynote I'm working on cause I've been asked to speak to some, some groups virtually, um, but, and I'm hoping to do it live about, you know, life lessons from the piano bar. Mm. And, uh, but I did, yeah, there was a, a, a fellow that emailed, uh, early on way too much. Uh, I, I assume just lonely and a little intense. And if I had to handle that again, now I would just be, Hey, thanks for the note. And thanks for listening and just, you yeah. know, you trust your instincts a little more <laughs> and it escalated and, uh, into some crazy, st- uh, stuff online and a friend of his, uh, and this is my fault, but, uh, as I, uh, basically I, I discovered two things early on and, uh, if anybody that can, and well, with your podcast, perhaps you've run it or your other, your, your work mm-hmm. as a playwright, it, anybody that has, that's known by more than a couple of dozen strangers is going to wind up with some degree of stalker at some point. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I learned is that, uh, I somehow put my personal cell phone number on my Facebook page when I started it. <laughs> so I started getting DM. I started getting WhatsApp. I got a phone call, didn't recognize the country code. And then I started getting WhatsApp messages from Columbia. <laughs> and it wasn't even for that guy. It was like from a friend of his and they got mad at some, one of my in real life friends at some point and started oh threatening goodness. him in the chats, but it was in Spanish and it won't translate for me in real time. So I didn't know till the end of the show. <laughs> So I, yeah, I ended up having, I did have to ban a couple of people because it was, I mean, it didn't, that my friend was like, oh, whatever. They're 5,000 kilometers away, but I'm like, yeah, but 
perfectly nice folks who just wanted to, uh, to relax are seeing what they're saying in the, in the feed. So it's got, they got to go Um, but honestly, it, it, other folks, it's been, they, they were basically been lovely. One of the reasons it went 150 nights, uh, in a row when it started was that after, I don't know, after a month or so, I was like, yeah, I should just give myself a night off. And then I got a, uh, a message, a direct message from a nurse, uh, I want to say in Peru. And, uh, she was writing to thank me for helping her get through her shifts at work. Oh, and her wow. shifts at work were as 12 hour shifts as a nurse in a COVID unit. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, if she can do that for 12 hours, I can play for one hour. And that's why it kept going without a night off for as long as it did. <laughs> um, you know, like people were posting, so like, you know, everyone's putting signs up in their windows and paying tribute to our, their frontline workers. And I'm like, yeah. I, I can move to the piano for one hour. Mm. if it helps this lady do her job. So, oh, that's beautiful. Uh, and, uh, there was some this, uh, stuff with Facebook where I lost some messages and, uh, if Facebook was like, try our new format for our page and F Facebook could be a bother for these things yeah. where I'm like, okay, I'll try the new, the new look of the new page. And I did it for two weeks and there was an issue with it in relation to how I work. So I went, oh, I'm going to go back to the old format. Mm. And when I went back to the old format, all the messages from that window of time were gone. So I've always wanted to follow up with her and find out like, you know, how she did with her shifts that she got through it happy and healthy yeah. or at least healthy. And, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, uh, I would have liked to have stayed in touch with her, but, uh, I yeah. don't, uh, I, I couldn't, but that's a remarkable impact that is happening. I mean, to, to be able to go at, at one point, uh, I mean, you were, you gained 30,000 new online followers in the span of these performances. And how was that? I mean, you kind of explained how, how insane that was, but it, the impact is what baffles me about this, that you were having on folks during this difficult time and those personal well, I, stories. I've asked folks how I've had folks ask, like, how did you do that? How can I do that? I'm like, it was, it was a fluke. It was a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I was doing it on my Facebook page, my own Facebook page and thought, uh, well, let's move it to my music page. That's sort of underused I had like 250 followers. I didn't really do anything with it. It was mostly there. So corporate event planners could find me if they wanted to hire me to play at their company dinner or something. Mm -hmm. Um, again, instrument, all instrumental music back then. And it's, yeah. so it was good for background and we moved it to that page and made it, uh, the virtual made the link, a uh, tip jar for glad day bookstore glad day bookstore is in toronto it's i believe the oldest existing lgbtq bookstore in the world mm. and it's gone through a few owners and it's on sunday it was my daughter's happy place because they have drag brunches there oh. on sundays and she's gotten to know the various queens uh she's pals with the one that won drag race canada Oh, wow. uh, she went, I got a photo of her losing her mind when Priyanka won. Um, <laughs> it was pretty great. And if glad they had an emergency fund and it was very, uh, very cool. It was also, it was to help them get through and not go out of business, yeah. but they were also doing uh, $500 grants and subsidies to arts workers and tip workers in, in the community, in, in their community, in the, uh, the village, we, there's a. People think of the gay community in Toronto as being centered around this intersection that's right near where they are. 
uh, and in, in a lot of marginalized folks to begin with. So this was, they were doing a lot of good and making sure they stayed open because if there wasn't a drag brunch on Sundays, when we got through COVID, then what did we do it for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause my kid would be miserable. Lenny would be miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I put up a virtual, uh, made the, I didn't want to handle the money. It's like, here, cl- if you like the music, click this link and donate to glad day. And after a few weeks, it was like, I think anybody that's going to has, mm-hmm. so maybe we should try to get some new viewers. So I'm just like, you know, for like 50 bucks, you can get a bunch of, uh, um, uh, run a bunch of Facebook ads and invite people to come. And so I put up my trio, a video I'd done of my trio uh, performing, you know, in my, in my dining room with the same Damask curtains, very nice looking (laughs) video helps to have a friend who's a world-class videographer and just shared that said, Hey, if you like this, come hang out at, you know, at the, at our, at our thing. And it blew up because I hadn't put, uh, I basically just specified our time zone. Uh, there's a lot of, I've sold a few records in Japan and there's a lot of, uh, jazz is very big there Yeah. and, but they're in the wrong time zone to watch it live. Mm. So I just said our time zone, but Facebook put, directs all your ads to wherever the money's best spent or mm. so I'm told. Yeah. So I wound up with all these folks, Mexico, Central America, Brazil, Colombia, Peru, Argentina. Uh, all of a sudden there's all these people talking to me in Spanish in the chat. <laughs> and because I think because Facebook's relative and one fellow who's bilingual confirmed this Facebook is sort of culturally much newer there. So the novelty is still there that we had in 2008 mm-hmm. of clicking everything. And, oh, I sort of peripherally know that guy. So now he's my friend and I'm yeah, going to share this yeah. and share that. And they shared that video like crazy oh, and incredible. it was just, it was exponential. Um, and yeah, within, I think the 30,000 thing happened within the first four months, That's you know, mind you, it wasn't 30,000 people watching every night. It just meant 30,000 people liked the video at some point. Sure. Uh, but I wound up with regulars from, from all over the world and not, and the, uh, from outside the time zone, because there was folks in Australia who'd watch it at the crack of dawn. <laughs> and I had a fr- I have one friend who moved to Dubai and he'd watch it because he gets up at some crazy hour. I, I don't know why. Uh, and, but he would tune in, uh, as he was like getting ready for work in the middle East. Oh my goodness. So, oh, I reconnected with a lot of in real life friends who I hadn't talked to in quite some time. Yeah. And some of them are better pals now than we were when we were in high school. And there's so nothing it's, more that we could ask for, right? I mean, it's an opportunity oh, to come together. Um, but I do have just a couple more questions to be mindful yeah. of your time, but this has been such a blast. And I feel like we're just, you know, reaching the tip of the iceberg here because there, there's so much that we can continue to talk. So I hope that maybe we get a chance to talk again in the future and cover some more of these stories because this has been phenomenal. Oh, I love um, that. So in, in regards to your, your career before you became a father, before you, you had this, this sort of life, how can you explain what that transition was like to because i imagine that that your life as a musician was much different than what you're experiencing now as a father and and family person it uh it's funny i don't know if this answers the question directly mm-hmm. but i remember we were talking about having kids and um our family can be a little uh hands off uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm very waspy and there's nothing, I think, I think 
I'm we're so British that I think if I did 23 and me, they'd go, Oh, there must be some mistake. <laughs> Nobody is this white. Um, and so I, you know, I was a little bit worried as a dad, I might be a little like not warm. I'd be a little, you know, like my, my granddad on my mom's side was almost like captain, uh, Von Trapp, like, you know, with the whistle and military, um, and, uh, of course, the second I met the kid, you know, it was like, oh, no, we're good, you know. <laughs> and I guess if you watch the West Wing, I was like Toby uh, yeah. when his his wife was pregnant with twins and he was worried that he wasn't going to be a good dad. And Leo McGarry's like, no, with you, it's a mortal lock. You're good. And it, that happened with me. Mm. Um, but I remember saying to a friend, we were uh, on a corporate gig and we were talking and he's a dad. And I said, I'm worried that I'm going to resent if I have to make a choice, like here's a good career opportunity, but I can't take it because I've got a kid I'm responsible for. Mm -hmm. I want to, is it possible I would resent the kid? And he said, no, you're going to always make the decision that is good for your family and your kid. And you're going to be happy to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh my God. He was right. I've, I think I've mentioned it to him since that, no, it's like, it's, that's what you want now. Um, and it hasn't cost me anything It's if anything, it's been, if, if there's any opportunity, it's like, oh, I can't do that because we have this family thing. Uh, and because we have a kid, I can't get out of it. I can't think of what that would be. Um, but if it has happened, it's been more than offset by the inspiration. Mm. So, and, but, you know, and the, another thing I tell anybody that is going to be a new parent the thing that nobody told me, and I'm sure it sounds like you've discovered it is nobody, they always talk about, oh, it's going to be so gratifying. It's going to be satisfying. You'll be tired and you'll never watch TV again. And which I, <laughs> I watch plenty of TV, uh, but they, what they will never tell you is that what good company they're going to be oh. <laughs> like just to hang out with your kid and even nobody else. Yeah. It's like, you know, the people will get to remember to, to share that part. Um, but, uh, before I, I think there might've been about, I was definitely not as good a teacher. I don't teach much. I didn't teach at all back then. I tried it when I was young and anybody who's met me, including you now knows that, you know, I, I can go on, I can, I can ramble, <laughs> but I like to talk shop. Yeah. So if somebody, uh, like if, if we were like, you know, I've, I was listening to your album. And very cool. And I wish I had that textural or brain oh, for sounds. Um, but, uh, so, but you play. So if you were like, Hey, I'd like to know a bit about jazz. I could say, well, if we do this mm -hmm. and put the flat seven over this and play yeah. C major instead of minor, there's the fundamental language is still in common. We're just mm -hmm. talking about a style. Yeah. But if you sent me your kid who doesn't, and they don't play at all yet, I don't know if they do, but if they didn't, I wouldn't know where to begin. And so that's middle C. If they say, why is it middle C? I'm like, I don't know. It's been middle C to me for 52 years. I don't know why it's middle C. It just is. Why is the sky blue? Yeah. I'm sure there, I know there's a reason, but I've forgotten it. Oh, um, but having a kid has made me slow down and cause I want to make sure she understands if she asks me a question, yeah. I've got some skin in the game about teaching her well. Right. Uh, right. so I need to, I've, I, I've slowed down and stayed more on point i'm less inclined to explain 
all the exceptions to what I'm saying. And just right. here's what you need to know at this point. You can learn the exceptions if you get advanced in the subject. Right. Um, so simplifying, focusing. My communication, I think, has gotten a lot better as a kid. And I think that served my music really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, focus, I would say. Like, you know, these, these albums right. were yeah. inspired by her. And I wanted them because I'm not good at scrapbooking. So she doesn't really have a baby book. So she's got these albums instead. She'll be showing them to people and they're like, what is this silver disc? And she's like, I don't know. You know, it's like, well, here's a thumb drive instead, but a thumb drive isn't as cute and you don't need to get to have the liner notes. Exactly. So. Oh, that sounds like a, such a beautiful experience, you know, with the, with the liner notes and, you know, to complement the, uh, the project. But, uh, I feel like you're, you're, the focus part of it is so vital, so important. And I feel like I started to be a better artist because I, I became a dad, but that's, you know, that's been my experience. And, you know, I, which of your art forms did it and like, did it inspire your music in a very different way than your, than your writing? So I I'm, you know, first of all, thank you for taking the time to, to listen to that because I have a very difficult relationship with music. I come from a family of musicians. So my dad, you know, is a professional musician and my grandfather played in mariachi bands in Mexico. And so I was sort of the black sheep in that I went into performing arts, theater, writing, directing, that sort of thing. And so I've always felt like I was not to the level that I needed to be as a musician because of the expectations that I had in my family. Mm -hmm. um, because they're, they're self-taught, but they're very, you know, they made their living off of that in, in Mexico, you know, for most of their lives. And so... Having a child liberated me from so much. And I, I don't mean to put that much on my child to say, oh, thank you for coming and saving me. But it, it just allowed me to widen my scope and say, this is the stage of life where I'm at creatively as an artist. And I just have to embrace it and continue to grow. And I, I you know, this sounds so foolish, but I didn't have a, I wasn't thinking like that before. Um, so it was I very can, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, is the fact that your kid is going to be your fan, no matter what, does that is, is <laughs> like, even uh, if you're, if you're, if your musician family members don't like the album, your kid thinks it's amazing that you made a record. Exactly. Exactly. Until There's he gets that. a little bit older and he takes more after my wife and then he'll be a, a good critic, a very steadfast, a good critic, critic man. Yeah. I told my wife when I started singing, cause she sings well and she's yeah. got ears, uh, you know, I play her a little bit of what I was working on nervously singing a tune and say, don't, don't ever blow smoke up my butt because <laughs> I don't want to hear compliments. I want critiques. Right. Uh, right. and, uh, cause I don't want to go on stage too soon mm -hmm. and try this right. and not have, have it not be ready because you were just being kind. And she said, fine. And then, holy cow, did she ever stick to that? <laughs> The moment I knew I was going to be maybe okay with, with the singing was coming back from a senior's home. Cause they're very kind and I would only sing half the tunes Yeah, and they were just happy to, to have, have me. Um, and I would record bits and play her bits and she'd make sort of the, the, the eyebrow would, you know, frown a little bit. I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> and then the day she listened and then said to me, nothing about that made me cringe was the highest praise I'd ever got in my head. That was like getting a Grammy award. Oh yeah. And yeah. after that, it, I started to relax and the more I relaxed, the better it got and the better it got, the, 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 the audience would respond well. And 
uh, you know, folks actually saying, you know, oh, could you do this too? And I start playing it. Oh, I was hoping you'd sing it. And I'm like, you did? <laughs> All right. That, you know, it really, it, and it took like probably the better part of five years for me to really relax. Oh my goodness. About it. It was, uh, uh, but speaking of kids, one of the things that, uh, uh, really meant a lot was, uh, my, my family, none of us do anything that you wouldn't have expected us to do mm -hmm. as when we were young, we all did the obvious thing. My brother was always a good teacher. He, he teaches, um, we, we all, uh, nobody was bad at something and worked and worked until they got good. Mm -hmm. and uh, that I can think of at yeah. least my brother's also a cartoonist and he, he just, I, th I, th I think it came easily. Uh, I'd have to ask him. Um, but I never did anything that didn't, if it was an, if it was, oh, I'm not good at that. Yeah. I don't want to be doing that. The singing was not good. And I was just hell bent on doing it, adding it to what I was working on mm -hmm. and got, you know, okay at it. And, uh, during the pand early in the pandemic, I think, or maybe even before, well, just cause I was, when I, I was starting to the lessons, but I wasn't singing a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lenny mentioned a particular type of art drawing, or uh, I forget which, what she was sketching. And she, could I, you think I could get a lesson in this? And we said, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, I'm not very good at it, but I think I could be. Oh. And it blew my <laughs> mind. And my wife said, I don't know if she would have thought that way if she hadn't seen you work so hard at learning to sing. Oh so even God. if the singing hadn't turned out and I just went, yeah, this isn't going to, you know, I just, I haven't got the facility and I went back to st sticking to instrumental that right there would have made all, all the effort worth it to have her have a thought, be capable of that attitude that I never was when I was her age. Oh, that is, that is so phenomenal and, uh, a beautiful note to end on. I think this will be a good time to, to wrap this one up, but Jim, this has been just an incredible time. And I want to thank you for sharing these, these beautiful insights, these stories and, uh, reminding me that parenting is, is just a great, beautiful gift. And, uh, it really for, the, is. for the kindness that you're sharing and bringing into the world through the work that you're putting out there. Thank you so much. This has been such a blast. I really hope we get to chat again and continue where we yeah, left off because this was absolutely phenomenal. keep in touch. Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to do you want me to play you off? I don't know if you get this. That very would be much. lovely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just a, just the beginning. Mm -hmm.